0: Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening.
1: Well, it's good to see everyone today. Um, I think I can see just about everyone. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for the beautiful flowers at the table this morning. It's just such a reminder of God's goodness. Uh, some of you may, uh, if you're brand new with us, might be thinking, whoa, we just had this whole story time around this thing of house church and what in the world does that mean? Uh, if you're new, find someone next to you, they would be more than willing to share with you what house church is instead of me just explaining it uh, to have an actual person tell you the stories and, and to hear some of those things. But real quick, every other week we meet in different spaces. And so the, f- the second and fourth Sundays, we're here uh, in this gym And the first and third, we gather all around uh, Montgomery and moving into Bucks County, Bucks County folks. uh, Yeah, there we go. Some of us, good. And uh, we're just grateful because it's church. It's not a small group. We do church in homes. Uh, And we don't gather because it's cool that way, because it's an intentional move where we sense discipleship happens. Discipleship happens in this way, in rows, but it also happens in circles, And we have opportunities to be in circles together in those spaces. Um, But this morning, uh, I'm really excited because I get to hang out with Dave uh, up front, which is really great. And we get to talk about discipleship. So two of my favorite things are Dave and discipleship, which is super good. And I'm really thankful for that. But we have been talking about discipleship for the last few weeks. Uh, Ben started us off a couple of weeks ago at our last gathering, and then in in our house church this past week, we began deeper conversations about what discipleship is, what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, I just want to say, discipleship is the most important question that the church can be wrestling with. all the, other questions can, all the other questions that churches wrestle with like this, uh, how do we grow? What does it look like to be faithful? Uh, how do we serve the community? Uh, how can we be more invested in this? All of that can be summed up in the meta question of how do we make disciples? So to spend time thinking about discipleship as a church might feel a little bit like a meta conversation. So it's a bigger conversation, and all these other questions that I ask sort of fall underneath. What does it mean to make disciples? How do we make disciples? And so if you're new with us, uh, we're really glad you're here. This might feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. If you're old with us, this is going to feel like drinking from a fire hose. We have a lot of stuff that we want to cover this morning, and essentially we really want to define discipleship. And I I just wanted to throw this a couple quotes up here. this morning. And before I do that, I just want to ask a question. Have you ever been discipled? Just think through that. Have you ever been discipled? And then the second question is similar. Have you ever discipled someone? Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, uh, gives his disciples this one last final charge. And in that charge, he makes this, he, he, he says, go make disciples. Or as you go, as you live life, as you change diapers, as you wash dishes, as you work a nine-to-five job, as you're on the third shift, go make disciples. Uh, Neil Cole says this, and this, is a, this, this might feel like a kick to the gut to some of us. Um, I know for, for pastors, uh, this is what keeps us up at night. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise preaching programs or, or proper are, if or people are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and do not and are not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. Mike Breen says this: uh, If you make disciples, you will always get a church. But if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. And so last gathering, Ben kicked us off with this beautiful idea that discipleship begins and is rooted in forgiveness and the love of Christ. Um, He challenged us to really think through what does it look like to accept forgiveness, God's forgiveness for our life, the way that he sees us, the way that he views us. And that's the, the entry point. Dave Bilecki had this beautiful quote in last week's gathering, or last gathering we had. He said, it's hard to follow someone when something is in the way. And that's why we began our whole discussion in discipleship rooted in forgiveness. To recognize that we're children of God, deeply loved by God, and God calls us into this relationship with him. It's not just a set of rules and a set of regulations, but he wants us to follow him, and that actually includes more than just our brains we begin discipleship wherever we are. If we think about Jesus' ministry in the Scripture, if if, if those of you that have read through the New Testament or parts of the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, uh, Jesus finds people who are sitting at tax collectors' booths, who are cleaning fishing nets, uh, who are turning tricks, and uh, who are wandering around. And they accept the invitation to come follow. Not clean up, but come follow and see what it looks like to live this different life. We recognize that this is a very difficult conversation for some of us because the conversation around discipleship pulls us away from the comfy, cozy lifestyle, and it calls us into this deep adventure with Christ, this life with God, which is challenging and beautiful and hard and amazing and frustrating at times. But it requires us, it will cost us something Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just the title of his book alone, The Cost of Discipleship, is worth sitting with. Discipleship costs us something. Uh, I had a friend of mine who, who was a pastor in Arizona for a while, and he said, the problem with the church is that we got used to dumb fat and happy land, where we would show up, we would be fed, and then we would leave. And I'm so proud that this is a community that continues to pull against, push against that idea that we just come And the things that we say is like, wow, church was really good today. Wow, worship was really good today. But what we continue to hear is, I was challenged. I was moved. I was pushed. God's really forming me. What does it look like to live this radical message of Jesus out, outside of this place? And we understand that some of us in this series on discipleship are going to take this opportunity for growth and run with it. And We're excited about that. And some of us will be offended by this. And that's okay. Uh, I'm okay if we offend you for encouraging you to follow Jesus with all of your life. Some of us have the potential to stay apathetic because we gravitate towards things that are comfortable. So this whole thing that we're going to be talking about is for the next few weeks really we feel like is this big meta conversation that helps us to get on to what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And our rhythm of house, church, and gathering is intentional in that way that we get a chance to hear some of these concepts and some of these things we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to have a chance to really dive deep into these with our house churches next week. And this is what Ben, myself, the elders, and the leaders of Renew really feel like we need to focus our time and attention on. Uh, As Ben said last week, and this has been said at Renew, uh, we think discipleship is so important that we bet the farm on it. And so we want to begin the conversation what is discipleship? But I want to start with what it's not. It's not a class or a program that you take, and when you're done, you get the degree. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not a to do and a to don't list. It's not a moral checklist. It's not a feel good support group. It's not Dr. Phil with a bit of Jesus sprinkled in. It's not a Bible study or an accountability group. although those, those, those things might be a part of it. And l- let me be very careful to say this well. It's not about earning God's love and grace. But it's about getting to be part and experience and live a life with God in his grace because we're empowered by it. And the last thing is that, and this is what it is, is it's not just just a spiritual thing, but this encompasses, discipleship encompasses all of our life, our health, uh, the way that we think about things, our brains, our minds, our hearts, our strength, all of it. God is not one who just wants to redeem our brains, but he wants to redeem it all. And so when we think about discipleship, we look at it from a perspective that says it is about everything in our life. So I just shared what it's not, and Dave's gonna tell you what it is.
2: Yeah, uh, so like Doug said, he, he described what discipleship is not. Um, that kind of begs the question, what is discipleship? Well, literally defined, a, a disciple is a learner, uh, but there's, there's a lot more to it than that, I think. Um, it's not just about learning, that's definitely a part of it, but there's also this active component where we're following or becoming like the person that we're following. Uh, an apprentice is like a really good synonym. If you think of like an apprentice who's learning how to do something, but also actually doing it, right? It implies both this learning and this doing aspect, both an active and a passive component. Uh, As Christians, we follow Jesus, right? We are his disciples. So Christian discipleship or we may use the term Christian spiritual formation or just formation interchangeably with that can be defined as this. And you're going to want to write this down. I think we have a slide. So that. this yeah. is a sheet of so paper yeah, you right can, on the yeah, back of that backside yeah. of this. <clears throat> Here's the definition. The process by which we are formed more and more into the image of Christ for the sake of others. The process by which we are formed more and more into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So a couple of things to just kind of take notice of in this definition. The first one is the word we. Discipleship is not a road that we walk alone. We walk it with Jesus and with others who are walking that same road with us. The second thing in here is for the sake of others. Ultimately, our discipleship to Jesus is not for our own sake, or even for the sake of the church, it's for the sake of the world. We follow Jesus because of the effect it will have on those around us. Good? Got it? So I just mentioned that there's both this active and passive component to this, a being and doing part. And these two things are our intention. As a disciple, you you can't really have one of those without the other. So this involves not only who you are, but also what you do as well as how you do it. The who we are part takes a look at our narratives, and these are the stories that we tell ourselves about, how to think about God, how we think about God, and how God thinks about us. The doing part is how we live our lives. Ultimately, and this is a Dallas Willard paraphrase here, we would want to live our lives as Jesus would live them if he were us. And this involves things that are both religious and things that are not religious, right? There may be things that we ultimately have to stop doing, but there are other things that we continue to do, and Jesus's grace will redeem them, and we'll do them in the way that he would do them. So we want to be thinking, like, we get up in the morning, make our coffee, go to work, parent, whatever it is. Like, how how would Jesus do those things if he was us, if he was living our lives? So deciding to be a disciple of Jesus does not make us perfect. It doesn't mean we're never going to sin again. But we are constantly, over the course of our entire lives, moving in the direction of Jesus. As Eugene Peterson would say, a long obedience in the same direction. A lot of times, you know, we picture discipleship as this, like, perfect straight line over time where we're going in, like, an upward direction in the direction of Jesus, when in reality it might be here, then up here, then down here, and then over here, and then we're, like, just all over the place. There's ups and downs, hills and valleys, backwards and forwards. But Jesus is the focus. It is about him. When we're looking at formation or discipleship, there's two questions that we can kind of boil this down to. And there's a couple other things you wanna write down and just kind of be thinking on these. The first question is, what are you hearing or seeing from God? What are you hearing or seeing from God? And the second is, how are you going to respond to what you are hearing or seeing. So that kind of brings us to the question of, how do we hear? How do we hear God? And there's like a lot of ways, but the main things that that we focus on are scripture, reading and experiencing God's word, prayer, and that's not just talking to God, sometimes that involves us listening to God, and also praising him and worshiping him, and community. And especially when we participate and discuss scripture and we pray in community. We use community to discern, like, the seeing and the hearing from God, and we get input on how to respond. Like we said, this formation is is we, right? Another thing to understand is, like, this list, like, scripture, prayer, community, this isn't, like, a pick-and-choose kind of thing. Like, oh, I'll just, like, do this one thing, these are kind of the foundation here of discipleship, right? So are you with me? Is this making sense? Got a couple thumbs up. So I'm going to like, so Doug's going to like uh, kind of pick up where Ben left off last gathering with this, this uh, piece of scripture in John and kind of continue on with that. And then we'll jump back into some other stuff.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Um, And so right before I jump in that, I just, this is going to sound really weird. You showed up at church, uh, but we're going to give you all and us uh, homework if you're one of those people that responds well to homework. If not, we'll just call it an invitation. Um, So either homework or an invitation, Um, but part of what, and I appreciate what Dave said because when you think about it, it's kind of simple in terms of reading scripture and prayer and, and being involved in community. Like, those three things sound really simple, but the truth is if we don't put intentionality behind that, I don't, I don't see how discipleship can happen outside of that. So here, here's our homework or invitation. Um, we're going to read the Gospel of Mark. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have some in the back. Um, but the whole thing in the next two weeks. So I know that sounds like a, like a, a lot, and some of you might not be readers. That's okay. Listen to it. And if you finish it, man, listen again. And part of our house church next week is going to be discussing what we're hearing and seeing from the Lord as we're reading through the scripture. We're also going to memorize 1 John 2.6, which this is like discipleship 101, this, this, this passage. Uh, d- anyone been in discipleship? No, no, this one. You want to just yell it out loud? Thanks, Chrissy. She doesn't know. She forgot. It's okay. Uh, whoever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. It's really simple. But that is, that right there is discipleship. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have to walk as he does. And if you're going to do that, you have to do it in a way that puts yourself in the story. And we do that by reading scripture. And last thing is, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, just like our teenagers taught us this morning. Uh, we're going to use that as, and some, some of you are like, hey, I, I've got my own thing. That's fine. You just pray. But keep that as part of what you're doing. And sometimes even as you're reading through scripture, Pray. If the Lord kind of pricks your heart in a way, we just want to encourage you, like, man, just pray and allow that to sort of shape the way that you're in prayer. So some of you are like, man, I can't believe you gave me homework, but that's okay. Now, I want you to open up to John chapter 21 if you have a Bible with you. And uh, last gathering, Ben taught on this wild passage uh, where... Where Jesus is starting, he's having a barbecue for his guys after he was crucified and rose again from the dead. And um, there's this scene where Peter is is hanging out with Jesus, and Peter is feeling this incredible amount of guilt and shame because just four days before, three days before, or a short amount of time before, Peter denied Jesus three times, and like he is wounded, he is broken. And Jesus has this moment uh, where some of us, if we've been in moments where someone has betrayed or wounded or denied us, we might take the power step, which would be to tell them, I told you so, and how terrible you are. But Jesus does this radical thing, and he asks Peter these three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's Jesus' way of, of reinstating, of forgiving Peter. And so we're, we're picking up right after that. So there's this beautiful moment. Like I can almost picture Peter with tears in his eyes saying, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus with tears in his eyes saying, then go feed my sheep. And so that's the end of the story that we read a week ago. And you can check it out on uh, the podcast stuff. And here we are picking back up in verse 18. And it says this, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple from whom Jesus loved following him, and he was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is
2: that to you? Okay, so kind of keep this picture in the scripture in the back of your heads here we're going to get back to that in a few minutes Uh, i want to introduce like a concept of a formational life here Uh, what we want to do like in the next couple minutes is just to kind of hopefully reorient our thinking like in a direction that focuses on formation Getting this down, like by the end of gathering, is going to be tough. But if we can just like bump our thinking in that direction, and commit to practice this, we'll be on that road. All right. So you have everybody should have a paper here with three things written on it, right? So you're going to want to maybe take some notes and write a few questions down on this. And I want to I want to just uh, give props to Bob Hyatt, who was here maybe about a year and a half ago. A lot of this information that's in this teaching came from him. Uh, I sat in a seminar for a day with a few others here from Renew that that just talked about spiritual formation. Uh, Yeah, so anyways, let's take a look at like our lives and like how we live that. All right, so the first thing that we have up here, you see the managed life, right? And this is where we're asking the question, how do I look good and feel good, right? And we are living by a set of principles that create success, right? There's nothing wrong with the managed life until it becomes like our sole focus where we're obsessed with what we have to do to live this life. But as many of us know, like as we're living the managed life, things are going to happen, right? There's going to be challenges. Maybe you lose a job or you have marital or family or relational difficulties, right? Perhaps an illness, right? When these challenges occur, they're going to disrupt the managed life, right? And we enter into this next thing, the next line down, the wounded life, right? And that's where we, we don't look good and feel good, right? There's pain of some sort from this challenge that occurred when we were trying to live the managed life. Our natural movement here, and as we as like, this is just like a human thing, is to try and solve this problem as fast as we can by whatever means necessary so we can get back to living the managed life? That's the question here. How do I get back to looking good and feeling good, right? How do I get back to the managed life? There's like a whole self-help industry based on this. You go into any bookstore, maybe I'm dating myself, there aren't many bookstores left. But if you go into a bookstore, there are whole sections on self-help. There's theologies based on this idea of like when challenges occur, you want to like get back, you know, to the managed life. But the next here, and if you see, I think there's going to be like an arrow in two directions here, like our our normal movement would be upward, but there's another direction that we can take here when one of these challenges occur, right? We have like a counterintuitive movement, one in like an inward and downward direction, spiritually speaking, one in the direction of spiritual formation, and that's the forming life, right? That's where instead of asking the question, how do I get rid of the pain, how do I get back to the managed life, we're asking What is God forming in me and through me in this challenge? What is God forming in me through this challenge? When we start asking this question, we're opening ourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us through the pain. Remember what discipleship is, right? Remember what formation is. It's becoming more and more like Jesus for the sake of others. So we need to ask ourselves, like, is what happened to cause the wounded life just a problem to be solved? Or is this a situation where God can form me? I think sometimes when we get into the wounded life, we start asking, like, the wrong questions of God. And the, the biggest one of that is, like, why is this happening, God? And there's rarely an answer to that. Right? But we think that if we can figure this out, uh, we can somehow defeat whatever that reason is and, and get back to the madness life. But this why question is, it's a roadblock uh, to the forming life. As, as Like I said, there's, there's rarely an answer. And a lot of this question like, has to do with, with what our narratives are. And, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves about God and about ourselves and like what what we tell ourselves about why we experience pain. And a lot of those can be like false narratives, like I'm being punished by God for something I did or God is trying to teach me a lesson or this is happening because I have no worth. So so we kick to this why question, you know, why God, why is this happening? I, I want—I want to hit the pause button on the teaching. As, as I was like going through this, I just—I felt like I had to say something here. We'll get back to this in a second, but we are not defined by our challenges. We are not defined by our pain. All right. We are beloved children of the King. That is our definition. All right. So pause button off, we're back. <laughs> so if we if we change these wrong narratives that we have about our challenges to be more in line, line with like Jesus's narrative, suddenly like these challenges that we face become these amazing opportunities where God can pour his grace into our lives and form us. Like what matters is what God can do in us through the challenge. Are you going to allow God to work through it? And there's this theological question that, that sometimes comes up. Like, is like, is God causing this, or is God allowing this challenge? And in this room, we might have different answers to that question. In the view of the forming life, the answer to that question doesn't, doesn't really matter. The question that matters is what, what God can form in us through the challenge. And like as we're living our lives, like we realize that that sometimes life can be hard and like we're we are like not in control sometimes. But we also get to this point where we can either focus on getting out of the trials or and being defined by them or we can grow from them. Like if you read the early church, like some of Paul's letters and, and James's letter and the book of Acts and Peter, like they lived daily at, at times with like just like life-threatening situations, these guys. And, and what was their reaction to it? It was joy they rejoiced, right? So the better question is like, God, what are you trying to form in me? And like, well, okay, he's forming me, what what would he form in me? What are some examples of that? I I always think of like the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And other characteristics of Jesus, maybe such as like endurance, compassion, empathy, sympathy, right? In the wounded life, I don't want to minimize the fact that we have pain. It's still painful. It's still real. But there's opportunity within that. In some cases, like this, suffering can can be the result of like maybe there's an illness, and it it can end if that illness is healed. Like we, if someone we love has cancer, like we don't want to take this weird position of praising God for that. Like that's not that's not what I'm saying here. We want to see doctors and get treatment and get rid of it if we can. But at the same time, we want to be thinking like I have this challenge. And it looks like I'm going to have to go through it. God, what what can you form in me through this, in the midst of this, right? So, what could God form in us? Like it seems like I'm repeating this question like a thousand times. It's it's because I am. <laughs> uh, it's it's like a really important question that we need to wrestle with. Uh, we need to like reor reorient our thinking about about challenges that we have and about trials. And we have this tension between the influences of the world to live the managed life and this idea of being formed through challenges we face. We need to embrace the change that can occur through a challenge, as opposed to our sole focus being on destroying this challenge and getting rid of it. What can God do in the midst of it? Maybe like a, a prayer, like in the midst of our challenges, we need to pray, God, if I need to go through this, and usually we do, Right? What, what can you do in me through it, right? We can trust on the presence of God in our challenges, not just to walk with us, but to form us into better people, more Christ-like people because we had the challenge. Forming life can, can also be like this way of healing, right? That even though like we're, we're having like a trial, like we, we no longer really look at, at this challenge as hurting us, right? It's this amazing opportunity from God and he can redeem the situation. Like even if it's something that we may have to carry with us going forward, right? Such as shame or guilt or illness, right? Jesus wants to redeem these things for his purposes, right? To form us for the sake of others. I just, I remember the, the weekly email that came out and it said, Jesus wants us to follow him. And just, like, I just think that that's like a statement that we need to like just sit with sometimes and just, just like realize that like Jesus Jesus wants that for us. Right, so the world's going to tell us the managed life is better, and like quite honestly, I, th- I think like we'd much rather like live where we're looking good and feeling good. But, but these challenges are going to occur. So why why not roll into like a formational life when that happens? We grow through this process, and that growth can be used for the sake of others. I, I think back to the last gathering when Bill and Elaine were sharing a story, and they they shared like some of the challenging challenges that that they've faced and are facing right now. And you talk to Bill and Elaine, or if you want to invite them over for dinner sometime, I'm sure they'd say yes. These are two of the kindest, like most gracious people I've met. And like, why Why is that, right? They they have like these like major challenges in life, but they're living a forming life where Jesus is transforming them in the midst of of the problems that they have, making them more like Jesus. All right, so. What does all this have to do with this passage in John?
1: (laughs) It's a good question.
2: Remember that? (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, we're back. We're back in in the Bible and that's that's awesome. So we have Peter, like he's living the managed life with Jesus before this point, before some of this, at the end of the, uh, the Gospel of John, right? At least like in a relational sense, right? There aren't these major conflicts between Jesus and Peter, right? But then Peter denies Jesus, right? Not once, not two times, as the King James says, thrice, right? Three times Peter denies that he knows Jesus. This is the wounded life. That relationship is challenged. But then there's this interaction in John's gospel that, that Ben talked about last gathering where, where Jesus forgives Peter, right? Right? But the fact that, like, Peter denied Jesus, like, that that can't, like, be, like, taken away. That, that happened, right? It's always going to be there. It's, as it may be with, like, some of our wounds, like, maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe we said or did things that, that we wish that we hadn't and we can't take it back. But the question is, like, is Peter going to be defined by this or is he going to be formed through it, right? Jesus wants to walk with Peter through this challenge. I think if, if you look, like, in this passage— Jesus is literally walking with Jesus, right? So that Peter can be formed, you know, because of this wound where he denied him. And what's, what's he trying to form in Peter? Well, I, mean, I guess it could be any of a number of things, like read, read Acts and Peter's letters to find out. Maybe, like, humility might be, like, the first, the first thing that comes to my mind. But the Holy Spirit comes later to empower Peter, you know, but without this interaction between him and Jesus here, I'm not, I'm not sure that Peter would have been a part of that. We don't know. So we also have, like, this weird prediction from Jesus of Peter's death here, right? And this is, this is like, another entering into the wounded life, even though it's, like, future. Like, Peter's going to have to carry this prophecy with him, you know? And we also have Peter, like, looking back at John, right? And I see that almost as, like, he's he's longing to return to, like, this managed life kind of thing where— where, like, John, he didn't, he didn't have this relational dysfunction with Jesus, right? John was, was the disciple that Jesus loved, right? So it's almost as if Peter's saying, hey, hey Jesus, choose John. It would be, be easier for me to not have to follow you. Remember, like, our natural movement, right? Our natural movement is to move from the wounded life to the managed life. Counterintuitive movement moves from wounded to formational life, right? That's in Jesus' words, follow me. It's not just Jesus saying it, but also Peter doing it. Well, he said, we want to hear God and we want to respond. That's our two formation questions. This is the only way that Peter's wounds can be transformed and redeemed, not necessarily taken away by Jesus, but because Peter was willing to follow. So what about us, right? Let's come back here. Uh, here's a practice. On the back of your papers, if you have any room, if you're furiously scribbling notes, write this somewhere else. So you just draw a line down the middle of the paper so you have two columns on there. All right, at the top of the left-hand column, just write challenges. Okay, and under there, like we don't need to do this right now, but over the next like week or so, just make a list of like what challenges you feel like you're facing in life. Be that like parenting I know parenting is never a challenge, but you know, or perhaps a, like relational illness, your job, and, and like and be specific, like like parenting. But there are like specific things within that. All right, in the right-hand column, like you see up there, write formation, right, and ask yourself, actually pray about it, right, for each of like these challenges you have. What what piece of Christ-like character do you think God may be forming in you through this challenge? Again, think fruit of the spirit. Think of, you know, like, what what was Jesus like, you know? Then maybe sometime in the next week or two, get with someone. Give them a call. Maybe it's your spouse or a friend. And talk to them about what you're hearing from God and what you think God might be up to in the midst of these challenges. And then lean into that. I'll kick it back to you, Doug.
1: So we just covered a lot of different things And what I'd like to do is just open up just a few minutes for a little bit of Q&A, because we realize that there's a lot of really interesting things to kind of think through. So do you all have any questions uh, about the managed life, wounded life, and formed life? Any comments or thoughts? Is anyone seeing this in their own life? Like, just like, shoot up a hand. I see one in the back, so one of us, Yeah. There's a double hand there. That's great. We'll pray for you afterwards. Um, so what are some questions that kind of, or just where might we need a little more clarification? Because this is the framework for us. Because here's the deal. Like, I'm going to just, this, sorry to spoiler alert, but life with Christ is amazing. He, he loves us. He changes, he chases us down. He pursues us. But life is difficult at times. And life brings some really hard stuff. And so this is the framework to say, what does discipleship look like when life goes off the rails or when we come up against a challenge? It, it's not going to be an anchor to sink our ship, but it's one that we have. It's an invitation to move forward through this and to recognize, and like I love the way that Dave put it, this is like this beautiful invitation to say, God, what might you form in me through this thing? So, Dave, like, give us a just an everyday example of, of what, I mean, ha- have you ever worked through this by yourself, or is this just something that's in your brain?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, well, actually, one of the things that when I was at the seminar with Bob Hyde, he actually just sent us off for like 20 or 30 minutes and said, write down your challenges and what you think God might be doing in the midst of those. So you actually had to sit and think about it, you know, to, to do that. But yeah, like as I was like going through his teaching, this is like in the front of my mind and just like pouring over it. And like a lot of you, a lot of people know that my mom has lung cancer. So that's like a challenge like in itself right there. And like I, I think I have an idea of what God like might be doing there. But like more like acutely on, on Friday, I'm at work and my dad called me and let me know that my mom was having problems breathing and having coughing fits and needed to like go like to the to the emergency room. So he, he took her there. And it's just, like, like I'm in, like, knots about this, just, like, the whole, like, the small picture of being in the emergency room and, and getting tests and figuring out, but also, like, the bigger picture of, like, the lung cancer thing. So, like, I'm just, like, kind of, like, walking through that, and I'm just like, oh, well, God, through this, like, stuff that's going on right now, what, what might you be trying to form in me? And, and as a result of, like, something else that I'm doing with a couple people here, I'm reading through Matthew. In the, in the month of February. And I just read literally that morning, like Jesus calming the storm at sea, right? And I had like actually been been like praying like Jesus's peace, like over like a couple people in my house church and like for, for some of their family members and stuff like that. And just this idea of like, well, peace, right? Like that's love, joy, peace. Okay, that's one of them, right? So <laughs> that's, that, that's like a, a piece of like the, one of the fruit of the spirit or fruit of the spirit. And I just, like, just, like kind of wrestled with that, and, and I, just, I, I felt like God, like, giving me peace in that, and just, like, the calmness, like, just kind of coming over me. Like, my mom's still in the emergency room. Like, she came home, luckily, later that day. Um, thank God. But, 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 like, God, like, just kind of flooded, like, the peace, like, into my life. It's like, and, and that's like, okay, so that's like a little practice, like, you know, I, I, I need peace, God. I need peace, like, in the, in the midst of this storm. Right, so maybe that's a, a practice that I need to like kind of lean into when when things are in turmoil and the water is splashing over the sides of the boat or yeah. something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks, yeah, Dave. And I, I appreciate that. This this is not just something that we talk about. But this is something. I mean, Dave and I talk about this a lot. Uh, we were at house church this past week. I was at his house church, and we were like. Um, we probably sounded like Tim Weaver talking about chemistry. We were like nerding out after house church because we just saw this conversation of wounded life and formed life and managed life just happening all around us. But yeah, are there any questions or any thoughts or any places where we might need some clarification?
0: So oftentimes I've heard what are you learning from this? Or what's God trying to teach me in this? As if it's more cerebral, it's in the brain. But this formation sounds more experiential, like a practice of entering into becoming like Christ. And my question is, as we're making disciples with those who may or may not be following Christ yet, how do we invite them to enter in when the pain is still so real?
1: You guys got that. That's, that's a great that's a really good question. I mean, just off the top of my head, and I'd love to think about that a bit more, but I feel like in those moments, what we're able to do as people who follow Jesus is to just listen well. And to and, and again, it's. I think we had to be careful of the language, right? Like, it's not what is God, and you said it, it's not what, what is God trying to teach me through this, or like he's a teacher, like this is the only way I can get my kid to learn. But it's this opportunity to say, you know, Jesus redeems crazy stories. Like he's able to redeem some of the hardest spaces in our life. And so I feel like even just having that opportunity to enter into a a place of listening, but even a place of maybe casting vision of like, well, what what could you be potential like what could be forming in you in a good way through this? Or what good thing might come out of this situation? Or how might this actually be revealing something? Is there a deeper thing that it might be revealing in you?
2: Any, yeah, any yeah, thoughts? Just, I guess like what I'm thinking is like that almost might be the invitation, right? So like you're seeing someone who maybe isn't following Jesus and they're having something like in their life. Maybe like the invitation is like like what Doug said, like what what might God be up to in the middle of this? You know, you know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I think too, even recognizing like some of that, that might even be a beautiful opportunity to, to jump into the waters of, you know, Knowing you're going through the situation, what is the what does God's face look like as he watch as he's watching you struggle through this? Is he like, ha, got her? Or is he like weeping alongside? Is he coming into comfort? I, I think there it's like yeah, kinda like what Dave said. It, it might just be that might be the beautiful invitation to even reframe who God is and what he like who he is and his love for us. So yeah.
0: Something that has um ministered to me, kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, and is the difference between when I'm in suffering, the difference between empathy and sympathy. And I think sympathy says, I feel really sorry for you, but empathy says, let me come and sit with you and listen to you and and put myself in your shoes. So I think that as I've been discipled, the times I've been discipled well have been times where I've been in great suffering or grief, and I I wasn't in a place where I could necessarily see the good that God was doing, but that someone said, let me come sit with you in this place and empathize with you, not necessarily feel sorry for you or give you my sympathy. And so I think that that's been um, something that has revolutionized the way that I've been able to receive discipleship and then modeled for me a healthy way to to help flesh that out. And then when they're not in that cerebral part of their brain, where it's all overwhelmingly, they can't think because they're overwhelmed by by the struggle or not even understanding who Jesus is. Then, then the tools of coming alongside and learning, maybe to be able to seek what is, the things that God's teaching them or doing can come. Then, you know. But sometimes the sitting, I had to have have someone sit with me first, and and listen and receive and put themselves in my shoes before I was in a place where I could. I could launch, use it as a launching pad for growth.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. With our kids coming back, and I think we're going to put an end to the questions. Um, but yeah, so I think to kind of wrap this whole thing up, first of all, Dave, thank you so much for, for sharing um, this with us. And again, uh, if, if you're in a space where you feel deeply wounded, like you're living in that wounded life, and you'd love to, to, to have someone pray with you, we'll have folks at the end praying. Um, after gathering just to pray for you. Um, or if you need to talk to someone, please feel free to chat with people in your house church or even contact myself or Ben or Dave. Or, um, But we'd love to walk with you in that. And again, real quick, lastly, homework uh, or invitation, just so we're, we're all aware. Um, there we go. Read Mark, the whole thing in the next two weeks. Memorize First John 2.6. Pray the Lord's Prayer. And again, even begin to think through um, what challenges we are having and where... Jesus might be inviting us into a formed, the formed life. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we had in this, this really interesting conversation to think through bigger picture stuff. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a community that when we see challenges and difficult seasons come, that we don't run from them, we don't, we don't isolate, we don't medicate, um, but we press in and we lean in and we trust that you're up to something good. Um, So, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for inviting us to follow you wherever we are. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.